on TV, online and on your smartphone. This is Ticker News. Hi there, folks. Here's a question for you. Are business leaders doing more for U.S.-China relations than the politicians? The U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken's recent visit to China made him the highest-ranking U.S. official to visit the world's second-largest economy in five years. But multiple business leaders have beaten him to the punch in recent weeks. So why do we need these politicians after all? I'm Aaron Young. Let's get started. Now from our headquarters at Ticker Park, this is Ticker Today. Okay, great to be with you. While Antony Blinken's trip was broadly seen to be easing the tensions between the two countries, it didn't quite go down just like that. There are also the economic and geopolitical tensions to address between the two countries. They've both limited the use of various technologies produced by each other. And of course, China has long blocked US tech companies from operating within its borders. More recently, the US has begun exploring similar options with Chinese companies such as Huawei and even social media platforms like TikTok. But these bans are reaching into even more critical technologies such as semiconductors and other 5G tech as well. Let's start with semiconductors. In fact, the main touchpoint of the tensions with Taiwan, which is one of the world's largest producers. And business leaders as well are leading the charge. Washington doesn't even know about it. Uh, is the White House aware of Bill Gates' trip to China and his planned meeting with Xi Jinping? And have you or has the White House advised him about it at all or requested a readout after his meeting? So I don't know if uh, I don't know if Bill Gates has reached out to us or if we have reached out to, to him. Uh, I don't have any information or intel to give about any conversation uh, with Bill, but uh, certainly uh, I'm sure he can speak for himself about his trip to China. I mean, an extraordinary situation, but you got to hand it to capitalism, right? Imagine if this was the other way around. We've seen Microsoft founder Bill Gates recently meeting with China's Xi Jinping, where he was greeted as an old friend. And of course, then there's Tesla's Elon Musk, Apple's Tim Cook and Jamie Demon from JP Morgan have all visited China during the year. China is big business and also a huge market for these companies. While they held meetings with senior Chinese officials, they didn't necessarily meet Xi, instead focusing their attention on making some of these deals. Now, to discuss Discuss what all this means. We're joined by Andrew Sullivan, writer and founder of Asian Market Sense. Great to have you with us. Welcome to the program. Now, what do you make of the fact that the politicians aren't always aware of the business leaders from the West doing deals with China? Well, I think the, the reality of it is, is the fact that China needs business. I mean, its economy has slowed dramatically because of COVID. Uh, the, the recovery has not gone as well as it's wanted, uh, but it is feeling somewhat isolated uh, because of the tensions uh, uh, between itself and America. So it is trying to uh, cultivate as many friendships as it can in order to try and get its business going again. I got the sense that while Antony Blinken and Xi Jinping and the foreign minister were all cautiously welcoming each other, there was a reality that was happening, which is a bit of an uncoupling between the two countries. The United States and China have been so reliant on each other. And while they may be talking about understanding each other, not touching military, the fact is both countries are trying to be less reliant. Would you agree with that? Oh, very much so. I mean, I think you know ever since Nixon's time, when the you know, the West tried to cultivate a relationship with China, in the hope that it could uh, you know it could get China to play by the Western rules, um, and we've gone out of our way in introducing it to the you know the World World Trade Organization and things like that. 
because business has been so so important and China historically has been a very cheap manufacturing base, but that has changed. We've realized that you know, China wants to modernize, but it doesn't want to westernize. Uh, it sees itself as the last bastion of communism. It, it feels that, you know, Soviet communism obviously failed uh, and that, that it is the only one out there that is there that wants to bring in a new system. And, it, and it's not a Western system. Bob Iger from Disney, when he was announcing the big theme park in Shanghai, he said, it's authentically Disney, but distinctly Chinese. That seems to be the way that a lot of Western companies have been trying to deal with China. But things have really strained over the past couple of years, particularly after the West called out China and wanted an examination of what had happened in Wuhan, how this virus was able to terrorize the rest of the world. Was that the key moment, do you think, that things really changed uh, between China and the West and also with business was it because of COVID? I don't think it was necessarily because of COVID, but I think that the, the reality was that you know China closed itself off from the rest of the world at that point, which meant that you know supply chains, business all got impacted by the fact that you couldn't freely trade with China because of the COVID lockdowns, it, it, it affected shipping, it affected manufacturing, um, and people suddenly realized how dependent they were on China. And and the fact that when China closed, it, it closed their businesses effectively. Uh, and then people realized that that wasn't a good way. So prior to that, you know, a lot of business has been running on the basis of just in time. You know, supply chains were, were very critical things, but with very short lead time. When COVID happened and suddenly you couldn't get your product out of China, people suddenly realized that this wasn't a good thing. And then they tried to, you know, look at other places to go. Uh, we also had the fact that America, you know, in, stepped up its weaponization of trade against China. And um, the, the whole business economy changed. Post that, we've had the realization that actually, that, you know, Europe has gone into recession. America is, you know, teetering on the edge of recession. Uh, and, and that's a pet impacted China because China historically has been export driven. And if there isn't a market for their exports, that was a difficulty. Internally, uh, around the time of COVID, we had a problem with the policy changing as far as property was concerned. That put a lot of the private developers in a very precarious situation. And, and today we're still waiting for Evergrande, one of the largest property companies, to, to give us our, the, a restructuring program. So their economy has been hit twice because they're no longer export driven because the West is slowing down. And internally, property is, you know, I would say stumbled and they have a lack of confidence and people yeah. won't buy property. Yeah. This has been a big driver historically. Tim Cook was in China back in March, the CEO of, of course, one of the world's most famous tech companies, Apple, reassuring the Chinese that China means so much to Apple. And in response, the foreign minister was really trying to tell Apple that communist China really does want to try and show companies, American companies, that they're able to work through some of their production uh, techniques. As this is happening, Foxconn, the big company that makes the iPhone, et cetera, famously in China since it began, has been shifting to other countries as well, Vietnam and India. Is Apple essentially telling China, you mean a lot to us while also trying to get out? And is that a common occurrence that is happening because of issues with uh, reliability, as we mentioned, of getting the um, products out of China, of building it, but also just that relationship between China and the United States? 
Well, I think you're right. Yeah, I mean, effectively, people are looking to find alternatives to China. Um, the big thing for Foxconn and India was the fact that India changed some of its policies to allow the um, the company there to do run two shifts a day rather than just running one. And uh, that was an important change. But most companies are now looking at China not being, it's no longer the cheapest place to build things. You know, they are highly skilled and quite expensive labor costs. And, and countries are looking at alternatives. As you mentioned, you know, Vietnam has been a big beneficiary of that, but it's also so going to other places. Just jump in, Andrew, because you make a really good point there um, that I was going to raise. And that is that in the meantime, the, the China's trying to get a middle class, right? Once upon a time, it was a cheap place to do business. Has that been changing? And is that one of the reasons why companies are now looking elsewhere, essentially for cheaper labor than China? Yes, I mean, China China's interesting because, I mean, it's, it's incorporated and, and taken on that if you look at the shoe manufacturers, you know, people like Nike and uh, Adidas, those sort of people, they have their, um, they get their top line made in China because they have the best facilities for designing shoes and making shoes. The cheaper shoes, the cheaper end ones, they go to, to Vietnam or Indonesia or somewhere like that where production costs are cheaper. It's, it's no longer the, the cheap manufacturing basis that it used to be. So that's one of the reasons that people are looking to change. Wow, that is an thing. incredible uh, in situation. I'm just going to pause you there in a moment, uh, if you can, Andrew, because when we come back, we're going to continue talking about the situation in China and just how they're coping post-COVID as they continue to open up Amar and Young. I'll see you in a moment. <laughs> 